uh, somebody can check Facebook or something like that, make sure uh, we are streaming, you got audio and those things. Uh, we don't have a regular person upstairs, so if you're watching online, uh, please let us know that uh, in the comments. I can hear some volume, so at least we've got volume. Uh, that's good. Um, let me just uh, welcome those of you who are with us online, uh, because things were laid out a little bit different with our system that we use up there. They've done some updates, and so it looked a little bit different, and so I wanted to make sure we had everything running correctly. Uh, let me just remind you that you can find us uh, on Facebook and on Twitter at HBC Tullahoma. Just do a search for HBC Tullahoma uh, on either one of those and you'll find us on, on YouTube. Do a search for Highland Baptist Tullahoma and you'll find us there. And then the phone live streaming is 855-532-4025. So I encourage you to use those resources that we have. Go ahead and go to our church website at highlandbaptistchurch.com. Uh, if you're here in person, uh, the bulletins, uh, we don't have any in here. There are a few out in the hallway here or at the back if you miss those from Sunday. Uh, if you're at home, you go to the info tab uh, on the website there, just a few tabs over. Uh, click on that. You'll find the worship bulletin there. Uh, you'll also find the children's worship bulletins there, and you can download those. You can send them to anyone as an invitation to invite them to church, to join us online, uh, however you might want to do that. And then also under that tab, you can download the prayer list. So go ahead and get that prayer list downloaded so we can review over that this evening and we can update that. If you have any requests and you're there online, be sure to go over to Facebook and to leave the comments there. That's where we'll be looking at for comments live. Uh, you can send those to us uh, through our emails, either at highlandbaptist.cafes.net or highlandbaptisttullahoma at gmail.com, either one of those. But go ahead and get your prayer list downloaded uh, so that we can be able to look at that in just a little bit. And then also you can go to the far right-hand side of the website there, click the Give Online tab there, and you can do your online giving, as well as you can send that into the church at Post Office Box 1195, Tullahoma, Tennessee, 37388. Or you can also bring it by the church anytime Monday through Thursday during our regular business hours. Or you can... Um, uh, I think there's one other way. You can give it here in person. Yeah, <laughs> forget about that. <laughs> you can give it here in person uh, if you want to at any time uh, in our services. Uh, also, don't forget that on uh, Sundays, we are going through Sunday morning and Sunday night a series through the life of Jesus. We still have some of the books uh, for that. So if you're interested, uh, pick up one of those here in person. They're on the sides of the stage, out in the hallways, the front and the back. If you're at home and you want one of these, please send us an email uh, or comment there in the comments and let us know that. And we'll get some information from you uh, about that so we can send one of these books out to you. It's the Illustrated Life of Jesus. Uh, has a lot of information in it. It's from Herschel Hobbes, uh, who wrote it and put it together. Uh, a lot of things that you can see and visually see there in the pictures of things that uh, about the, the area there uh, of Israel uh, where Jesus ministered uh, so that you can follow along with us uh, through all of that. And then just wanted to correct one thing that was mentioned Sunday morning uh, about our special uh, call business meeting. Uh, that is for Sunday evening, not Sunday morning. We'll be doing that Sunday evening like our regular business meetings are. So just wanted to correct that. Uh, we have the three things uh, that we'll be doing uh, with that. So if you want that information and you're here in person, uh, you can pick those up uh, down here at the, the front of the stage, uh, the recommendations uh, that are there, as well as uh, the other information that will be presented. So thank you all so much. Glad to be back from our little trip uh, this week. Brother Mike, if you'll come and lead us. Okay. Hello, everybody. Uh, turn your hymnals to 329, and let's sing Grace Greater Than Our Sin. 329. Miss Pat.
Grab my Bible real quick. That way I won't have to go down later. All right. Well, if you, hopefully you've gotten your prayer list uh, downloaded there so uh, you can go over the list with us. Uh, we just want to especially mention a few uh, who are uh, recovering from their surgeries, recovering from sickness, uh, as well as those that we want to uplift uh, in prayer uh, to remember them. Uh, if you'll remember, uh, we've been praying for Jim Marlowe. Uh, he's still doing well recovering uh, from his surgery. Uh, Andrew Newton is doing uh, fairly well from what I understand from his. Uh, Ken Tatum, uh, he's doing much better uh, and I believe is here tonight teaching a Sunday school class again. So we probably can remove him from our prayer list. Uh, Jack Doubt had his surgery. Has anybody talked with Jack this past week? I have not. So uh, Jack may be sometimes he's watching there uh, online. So if you are Jack, let us know uh, how things uh, are going. Um, <clears throat> on, on down below that, uh, you'll see James Johnson and the family of Esther Robin Johnson. Uh, so that Robin Johnson underneath there is Esther Robin Johnson. She passed away uh, suddenly, uh, was not expected, uh, had a blood clot is what happened and, and had a heart attack. And so we want to remember that family uh, in your prayers. Uh, the funeral home that's handling the arrangements is at Tullahoma Funeral Home, and that will be on Friday from um, 12 to 1, 12 to 12.30, the family will be, and then from 12.30, uh, to one will be any anyone else or you can come even just a little bit before that they said also um, so the service will be at one and then they'll be following uh, that at the cemetery and so want to remember that family and your prayers and especially remember James uh, with his situation too with his uh, Parkinson's and and all summer stuff too so uh, also want to remember on our friends and family side uh, Cindy Cruz uh, she is my cousin that lives here in Tennessee up in Waverly uh, she had appendicitis had that taken care of but had a tumor behind that they had to remove part of the colon there so she's still healing from that part of the surgery and she goes here in the next couple of weeks to talk with the oncologist they did say uh, that it was cancer that she has in her liver <laughs> some spots in her liver and so keep Keep her in your prayers. I want to remember James Harvey, uh, who has cancer, who is Terry Stone's dad. Uh, so keep him in your prayers. And uh, she's not in here, so I couldn't ask there about Chris Gregory uh, with his knee replacement, how he's doing. But uh, I'm sure Miss Pat will let us know that also. And then Debbie Norman, who is my cousin who lives in Colorado, his wife. Uh, she has been in ICU since January the 4th uh, with COVID. Uh, she got better about a week and a half ago to where uh, they were able to remove her from some of that and she was able to eat just a little bit but they had to put her back on it and she's back on 100 uh, percent oxygen with the uh, ventilator so 
keep her in your prayers and keep that family in your prayers. Uh, things are not looking too well there. My brother's wife, Leslie, uh, she also was sick and uh, she's doing better, although she's having a little bit of uh, side effects from some of the medication uh, that they've given her. So continue to remember her, but she is doing much better. And then also want to remember the family of Charles Cannon, uh, who is our church custodian who passed away. Want to keep them uplifted in prayers, as well as Esther Phillips' family. Uh, And thank you all so much for both of those, for coming out and supporting both of those families uh, at those funeral services. Um, And then also remember Tommy Bass, uh, who has stage four uh, lung cancer, and that's Tracy Henderson's uh, dad uh, also. So uh, remember him in your prayers. Any others that we need to remember? Two unspoken? We know many may have some unspoken there. I see Brother Jack has been watching there. So, Brother Jack, let us know how things are going there. Um, and we got your request there, too, Donna. We'll get back with you later uh, on where we need to send that to for the book. Any others that we need to mention? Any other prayer requests? Any other updates on any that you have on here? I think Brother Bobby's brother, Hoyt, is still in about the same situation. Uh, just keep them in your prayers as they try to work things out there. Jay Barbier is still going through his, he's the youth specialist with the TBMB. He's still doing his uh, treatments and, and in the middle of that. Uh, Wade Hall, uh, from what I understand, is doing well now. So keep him in your prayers. And then My brother-in-law still has issues with that place he goes. Oh, with Chris. Okay. Okay, so Miss Pat came in to tell us about Chris uh, Gregory that we have on the prayer list with his knee replacement, having some issues still with the healing uh, from that surgery. So, so keep, keep him in your prayers uh, with that. Any others that we need to add or mention? All right, so let's go to the Lord then in prayer for these that are on your prayer list and, and maybe other unspoken that are out there online also. So share with us. Uh, anything that you want to the, to list with prayer, uh, and we'll, we'll mention those at the end. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for all the many blessings that you have given to us. Thank you, Lord, Lord, just for life itself, that we could be here in your presence tonight to study your word, to spend time together in prayer. And Father, we know that you are an awesome, almighty, all-powerful God who knows everything about our lives and every situation that is mentioned in each one of these names that are on our prayer list. You know their situations even more intricately than we do. And so, Father, we ask as we come tonight that you will show your power in a great and mighty way. Lord, we pray for your protection, and we thank you for how you have watched over us and kept us safe uh, during these days, and that we who are still here are here for a purpose and for a reason. And so, Father, I pray that you would use us in whatever way that you will. We come tonight, Lord, to to give our hearts and our lives to you because we don't want anything, Lord, to hinder our our talk with you. We come before you confessing our sin and asking you to forgive us and to cleanse us of all of our sin. And we ask, Lord, for you to just renew us with your presence and with your power and a peace that passes all understanding in our hearts. Lord, as we uplift these individuals tonight to you, uh, Lord, there are some people on this list and some families who their hearts are burdened right now because of the loss of a loved one. (coughs) And so we want to uplift them to you, Lord, and ask for you to divinely intervene in their lives to to bring comfort and peace to their hearts, to wrap them in your love. And and even though they may not understand why things happened the way they did, uh, Father, I pray that you will help them to find peace in your presence, to know that you have a plan and a purpose through it all, to bring glory to your name and to bring good into our lives. And so we uplift each and every one of these that have lost loved ones, and we pray for the great comforter of the Holy Spirit to come to them even right now. Father, we pray that you'll be with them in the days ahead, those that are still planning uh, the, the funeral arrangements. Lord, I pray that you will uh, work with them through that process and, and help them to lean upon you more and more rather than their own understanding. And Father, we pray for those who 
who are sick, uh, those who are still healing, those, Lord, who may be even struggling uh, it, with, with, with being close even maybe uh, to death itself. Lord, we just ask for a divine intervention in their hearts and their lives, that you would bring healing to their bodies, Lord, healing to their soul, healing to their lives. And, and Father, I pray that you'll do it in such a way that there would be no mistake that it was your hand at work and that we would be able to testify and give you the glory and the honor and that you would use it to bring many people to faith in Christ as you show yourself faithful, Lord. We thank you, Lord, so much for so many that we have been praying for and the healing that you are bringing and have brought uh, to their lives. We know that you're capable and able, so, Lord, we ask for you to divinely intervene uh, in their hearts and their lives right now. Father, we pray for that healing to their bodies, but, Lord, we also know that, that your will is perfect and your plan is perfect, and so we submit and ask, Lord, for your will to be done in each one of their lives. Uh, and so, Father, I pray that you'll be with their families and, and just give them wisdom and discernment and decisions that they may have to make in each one of these individuals of decisions they may have to make uh, about their care. Uh, and so, Father, we just pray for your will to be done there. So many others that are on our list, Lord, so many other unspoken needs that maybe we haven't even mentioned by name yet. And we just ask God for your, uh, your peace and your presence to be with each one of those individuals also. Uh, just thank you, Lord, so much for for caring for us and, and for taking the burdens that we have so often as we lift them to you and you take those off of us. Lord, I pray that's what we would even experience tonight as we're coming before your throne of grace uh, to pour our hearts out in prayer for these individuals. Lord, I pray that uh, we would cast those cares upon you, those burdens upon you, uh, and, and take upon our, ourselves your yoke, for your yoke is easy and your burdens are light. And so, Father, I pray that we will just trust that you'll work everything out in your perfect way, in your perfect will, in your perfect time. And Lord, we come also tonight to just ask that you would speak to us through your word. Uh, Father, I pray that this word from the book of Revelation will, will just encourage us and, and help us also to better understand uh, the book of Revelation. Uh, and as we go through all of these prophetic passages in the days ahead, Father, I pray that this will lay some groundwork for us, but also would show us some application uh, for what can we get from this for our lives even tonight. So help us to be looking for that as we study through your word. What can I apply to my life and my heart uh, to better follow you and to be a better Christian? And Lord, I pray that you will make yourself known through your word. Speak to us in our hearts and, and help us, Lord, to be obedient to you. And may we, Lord, experience the blessings that you've given to us in the beginning of this book, that those who hear this book, those who read this book, and those who keep the words of this book will be blessed. And we stand on that promise even tonight. May this message and may this passage we're going to look at be a blessing to us like never before. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We'll take your Bibles, if you will, and turn to Revelation chapter 1. We're going to be in Revelation here again, uh, at, and still in chapter 1. This uh, will probably finish up chapter 1 uh, for us tonight. <clears throat> Let me get me a bottle of water here. We're going to be looking at these two verses uh, that you see listed on your screen there, Revelation 1, 4. And then also Revelation 1, 20. Uh, we're going to be talking about a subject that's extremely interesting and fascinating and one that we deal with every day of our lives but rarely even think about. <clears throat> and that's the subject of numbers. Uh, numbers are essential to everyday living, and we really couldn't get along without them. So let's go ahead and get into these two verses, verse 4 and then verse 20, and then we'll look at what do these numbers have to uh, say to us. So verse 4 says... John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne. Then skip over, if you will, to verse 20. And verse 20 says, As for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand, and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. 
And so we've already read some of these previous passages that talked about uh, the, the lampstands there, the golden lampstands, the, the angels of the seven churches. He doesn't leave us to wonder what those are. He explains to us what they are there in verse 20. So uh, we're going to look at numbers tonight. For example, numbers are important. Numbers tell us uh, how old we are. Numbers tell us some things we don't want to know, how much we weigh. <laughs> uh, numbers tell us whether or not our blood pressure uh, is normal. Uh, numbers financially tell us uh, how rich we are or how much you lost in the stock market this week <laughs> with all the, the downturn there. Uh, numbers tell us what time it is. Uh, when you stop and think about it, Life would be chaotic if we didn't have some sort of system of numbers. Numbers are woven into the very fabric, the very uh, fabric of, of our life. And immediately we see in this first chapter of the book of Revelation that numbers are going to play a very significant role. Uh, in, in chapter 4, John is speaking to seven churches and he refers to seven spirits. In verse 20, as we just read a moment ago there, we see seven stars and seven golden lampstands in the seven churches. So you're going to see the number seven is one of the key numbers in all of the Bible and especially a key number in the book of Revelation. In fact, the book of Revelation can be divided into seven sections. And each one of those sections can be divided into sub seven subsections. In chapters 1 through 3, you have seven churches, letters to seven churches. In chapters 4 through chapter 7, you have seven seals. In chapters 8 through 11, you have seven trumpets. In chapters 12 through chapter 14, there are seven persons. In chapter 15 to 16, you have seven bowls. In chapter 17 to 20, there are seven judgments. And in chapters 21 and 22, there are seven things that are new. And so we're going to see that all throughout as we continue going. You're going to keep coming back to this about numbers. That's why we want to get into this before we get into uh, the actual text of some of the rest of the chapters here. The book of Revelation, we said, is in seven groups of seven. And, and that's not by some blind chance. Uh, that was rather by divine choice. And so you can properly understand the book of Revelation and even much of the prophetic writing in the Bible uh, only when you begin to understand the meaning and the use of numbers. So here's the first thing to get from this passage tonight is the practical science of numbers. Uh, when you think about it, God has really written two books. He's written the word book that we call the Bible, uh, but he's also written the world book that we call nature. Numbers are an integral part of both books. In fact, God even named one of the books of the Bible, the book of Numbers, uh, almost to remind us of the importance of numbers to uh, his personal revelation. But God has also written to us in the world around us so that it, it is run by numbers. So as you study nature, uh, you'll find numbers in everything. For example, think about the world of astronomy, uh, the study of the stars. Uh, that can all be reduced to simple mathematics. Astronomers could look up into the sky right now and see the position of stars. And from that, knowing that these stars run uh, according to a certain mathematical precision, they can chart exactly where those planets, which a lot of what we see up there are planets, uh, you can see exactly where they were thousands of years ago. And where those planets will even be hundreds and thousands of years from now. In fact, it was the use of mathematics and astronomy that allowed us to be able to land man on the moon. Uh, you think about all those people who, who crunched numbers and did all kind of mathematical figures to be able to get them to the moon and then to be able to get them back safely because they had to come in at just the right trajectory uh, lest they bounce off the surface of the earth, the, the atmosphere, and, and, and scoot off and, or even burn up if they came in uh, too quickly. So numbers were a vital part of that. Numbers are also the foundation of chemistry. Uh, chemistry is just a real, really the science of, of numbers taken to a higher level. So if you've ever taken chemistry, uh, you know that much of chemistry uh, is in the balancing of mathematical equations uh, because the various elements 
elements found in the valence charts of the chemists have a certain atomic weight, and those weights tell us the ability of one element to combine with another element. Uh, but it's all according to numbers and mathematics. Numbers play a, a foundational role in the realm of biology. In, in, in botany, you'll find that plants also follow a mathematical law. Every flower has a certain number of petals and in a specific, certain specific arrangement. In one sense, it's numbers that make one plant different from another. You think about zoology uh, itself. Every living creature on earth has billions and trillions of cells, and each cell has a certain number of chromosomes according to the kind of creature that it is. So a, a man has 46 chromosomes in each cell, uh, while a housefly only has four. So think about that, guys. Uh, the only difference between you and a housefly is 42 measly chromosomes. <laughs> but the point to remember is that mathematics, a creation of God, is built into the very foundation of this universe. In, in fact, Aristotle, the great philosopher, uh, said this. He said, number is the principle of all things. There is a practical science of numbers that govern our very existence. Now, there are some people who, who, who feel intimidated by numbers and by mathematics, uh, but don't be put off or intimidated by the use of numbers in the Scripture. Numbers in the Bible are not to intimidate us. They are for our information. They are there to help us to understand what is being spoken about or said. So there's the practical science of numbers. The second thing we want to see is this, the providential symbolism of numbers. And this is where we're going to spend the bulk of our time tonight is in this providential symbolism of numbers. Now, just as numbers are an integral part of God's world, you need to see that numbers play and and a very important role in God's book in the Bible. In fact, it's a fascinating uh, confirmation of the divine inspiration of the word of God to see how numbers unite and tie together the truth of God's word. God never uses numbers in an unpredictable, arbitrary fashion. Uh, he doesn't just throw a number out there to us in the word of God and it's just an arbitrary number. I didn't really mean anything by that. He means something by every word uh, that is in the Bible. We just need to be studying God's word that we might understand it better. And so behind the key numbers in the word of God, there is a basic meaning that comes from the very heart and the very mind of God. And, and so we're going to look at these key numbers that we're going to see in the book of Revelation. You see them in other places in the Bible too. Uh, and we're going to see how they make the word of God come alive and unite the truth of all God's revelation. So the first number we're going to look at is the number one, the number one. So we're just going to start at the beginning and work our way up. The number one is the number of unity and preeminence. So if you're taking notes, you might want to jot at least that much down so that when we get to places in Revelation that you see that number, you'll be able to remember, okay, that's what that word refers to so that when you're looking at the interpretation of what is this symbolism about, you'll be able to understand it better. So it's the, it's the number of unity and preeminence. It's a cardinal number. Number one is a cardinal number. It's not made up of any other numbers. It's the source of all numbers. It symbolizes God, the first great cause of everything, who is independent from everything and the source of everything. So you take, for instance, uh, the Shema in Deuteronomy chapter, uh, chapter 6 and verse 4 uh, that says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Deuteronomy 6, 4. Again, the prophet Zechariah tells us in chapter 14 of Zechariah, verse 9. And the Lord will be king over all the earth. On that day, the Lord will be one and his name one. We understand Ephesians 4, verse 4 through verse 6. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. So the number one symbolizes unity. And there is one God in three persons. He is a tri-unity. Have you ever thought about that, the word trinity? The T-R-I of trinity means what? Three. 
The entity part comes from the word unity. Three in one. And so that's literally what the Trinity is. So that explains to us what Jesus meant when he prayed for us in John chapter 17 and verse 22. And he says, the glory that you have given me, speaking to the Father, I have given to them, speaking of his disciples and us, that they may be one even as we are one. Speaking of the Trinity. So one is the number of unity. One is the number of God. The number two. Let's go to number two. The number two is the number of witness. The number two is the number of witness. The number of confirmation. The number of witness. The number of confirmation. Jesus said this in John chapter 8 verse 17 and verse 18, he said, In your law, it is written that the testimony of how many people? Two is true. I am the one, he says, who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. There's two that he's speaking of in John 8. In the Old Testament, you think about capital punishment. It could never be applied to the guilty party unless the crime had been witnessed by at least how many people? Two. Uh, so Deuteronomy 17, 6 says, On the evidence of two witnesses, at least, or three witnesses, the one who is to die shall be put to death. A person shall not be put to death on the evidence of one witness. And so uh, you had to have always a minimum of two. In parliamentary procedure, think about parliamentary procedure. When a person stands up to make a motion, someone else will generally speak up and say what? I second... The, the motion. What they're doing, uh, simply doing, is they're confirming and witnessing to the motion of the first person. And, and so that's where we get that it's a witness here, it's a confirmation. The Bible, think about this, the Bible is divided up into two parts. We call it the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Second Testament, uh, the New Testament, witnesses to the truth and confirms the revelation of the Old Testament. So it's saying in the New Testament, the Old Testament said this, and we're confirming it here. We're being a witness to the Old Testament and what it said. And so it's confirming the revelation of the Old Testament. Think about this. The second person of the Trinity is who? Jesus Christ. In Revelation chapter 1 and verse 5, he's called the faithful what? Witness. So Jesus was the witness and the confirmation of God the Father. In Luke 24, 4, there were two angels, remember, who were at the tomb to testify that Jesus was raised from the dead. Two witnesses had to be there. In Acts 1, verse 10, there are two angels who witnessed to the ascension and the second coming of Jesus Christ. When you get to Revelation 11, verse 3, God sends two witnesses that we'll see later, uh, who will preach for three years uh, in the great tribulation. Back in Mark 6, verse 7, you read when Jesus sent out the 12 disciples, how did he send them out? Two by two. In Revelation 13, we read that there are two beasts, each one confirming the other in absolute evil and rebellion against God. And so that's what we see about the number two, is the number of witness, the number of of confirmation. Number three, the number three. The number three is the number of divinity, the number of the Trinity, the number of the tri-unity, as we said a moment ago. So when you look at Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19, and we're commanded to baptize, we're commanded to baptize what? Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We're to baptize people into the body of God, but this God is found in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. If you remember back in the Old Testament in the book of Isaiah, when Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up in that great uh, doxology that he cried out, he cried out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Well, God, we said, is a triune God of triune holiness. Holy is God the Father, holy is God the Son, and holy is God the Holy Spirit. 
The triunity is found in all of God's creation. Man, we're told in the Bible, was created in the image of God. And so just like God is a triune being, so we are a triune being. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23 says that man is a body, soul, and spirit. So notice what the word says. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So even in us, you see a triune being there, body, soul, and spirit. All of God's physical creation can be summed up in time and space. Uh, time is past, present, and future. Space is height, width, and depth. It takes three lines to enclose a space and form a geometric figure. It takes three dimensions to make a solid Everything that exists is either animal, vegetable, or mineral. Uh, man may sin in one of three ways, in thought, in word, or in deed. Uh, Jesus himself had how many offices? Three, prophet, priest, and king. He was raised on what day? The third day. And his resurrection power enables us <clears throat> to defeat the three greatest enemies that we face as humans, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And so you see three. So the number three is the number of divinity, the number of trinity, the number of triunity. Then we come to the number four. The number four is the number of the earth. It's the number of the world. It's the number of God's creation. Isaiah 11 verse 12 says this. He will raise a signal for the nations and will assemble the banished of Israel and gather the dispersed of Judah from what? The four corners of the earth. Four corners refers to the four points on a compass, north, south, east, and west. So Ezekiel says this in Ezekiel 7 verse 2. And you, O son of man, thus says the Lord of God to the land of Israel, an end, the end has come upon the four corners of the land, north, south, east, and west. <clears throat> Again, you read over in Revelation. Revelation 7 verse 1 says, After this I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth, that no wind might blow on the earth or sea or against any tree. Then you go over further in Revelation, to Revelation 20 and verse 7 and verse 8, and we're told of how Satan will be released from prison after a thousand years, uh, after the thousand year reign of Christ. And it says this in verse 7, and when the thousand years are ended, Satan <clears throat> will be released from his prison and will come out to deceive the nations that are at the four corners of of the earth. In other words, he's going to go all over the world deceiving the nations uh, on the earth. Uh, and so we, we see the four at play there. We see uh, four divisions to the day uh, in the Bible, morning, noon, evening, and night. There are four seasons of the year, spring, summer, fall, and winter. There's four world empires <clears throat> in the scripture, Babylon, Greece, Persia, and Rome. There's four gospels that are given us to tell us the earthly life uh, of Jesus. And, and so now you can begin to understand a little bit better the use of the word for symbolically in the scripture. So when you come to a place like Revelation 4 and verse 6, <clears throat> we read that the throne of God was surrounded by what? Four living creatures who were continuously praising God. And you understand what this verse really tells us. It's not that there's just one, two, three, four in number creatures worshiping the Lord. The word four symbolizes here all of God's creation. All of God's world is kneeling before him and giving him the praise that he so richly deserves. And that's why in Revelation 6, we read about four horsemen of the apocalypse. Because that sums up the destructive powers of this world at war. But just like four is a symbol of this world, multiples of four 
deal with earthly testing and trials of this word. Uh, think about multiples of four like this. In this world, you're going to have tribulation, Jesus said. Uh, the number 40, uh, which is a multiple of four. It's four times 10 <clears throat> equals 40. It is a symbol of earthly trial and testing. So we know that Noah, remember he was in the ark while it rained on the earth. How many days? 40 days. It rained in 40 nights. When, G, when Moses went up on the mountain, the Mount Sinai, to get the law of God, he was there 40 days and 40 nights. After Jonah, remember Jonah preached to Nineveh after he didn't want to go there and he was regurgitated up on the shore out of the belly of the fish. And, and so he went on to Nineveh and preached to them. He, he warned them. How long did they have to repent? 40 days or Nineveh would be destroyed. When Jesus was being tempted by the devil out in the wilderness, how long did he fast and pray? 40 days. And so that's a multiple of, of the number four. And so four is the number of the earth and refers to the earthly uh, tribulations even when it's in multiples there and trials that we might face. Then you come to the numbers five and the number 10. So just like we said, four and multiples of it, that's essentially what 10 is. 10 is a multiple of 5. So the numbers 5 and 10 are basically the same number in Scripture. 5 being half of 10 or 10 being double of 5. 5 is the number of fullness or completeness. How many fingers do you have on one hand? How many toes do you have on one foot? 5. We have how many senses? Five. We have the sense of sight, smell, hearing, taste, and touch. And so 10 is therefore just an extension of the number five. Our two hands have 10 fingers. Our two feet have 10 toes. Uh, and so the complete moral law was given to us in how many commandments? 10 commandments. And so this principle enables us to correctly interpret a passage like Revelation 13, and verse 1 that says this, And I saw a beast rising out of the sea with how many horns? Ten horns. And how many heads? Seven heads. With ten diadems, ten crowns, <clears throat> on its horns and blasphemous names on its head. So right there in that one verse, you're seeing a couple of times the number ten. And you're seeing the number seven uh, also, which we'll get to in just a moment. So in the Bible, a horn is a symbol of power. Uh, a crown is a symbol of authority. The number 10 represents completeness. And so we're simply told that the Antichrist, the ruler of the 10-nation confederacy that will rise up to rule this world, will have complete power and authority. No one except the Lord Jesus Christ himself will be able to stand before the complete power of the devil's antichrist. And so in Revelation 2 verse 10, the church at Smyrna is warned that it will have tribulation for 10 days. That doesn't mean simply 10 literal days uh, that they will have uh, a little difficulty. That's referring to a complete and full tribulation that's going to be coming upon the church. One thing the, the scriptures teach not only is this world headed for Jesus, but the church is headed for some tough and trying days, and we need to be ready for that. God sent how many plagues on the nation of Egypt? Ten. It was a full and complete judgment. Jesus told a parable in Matthew chapter 25, which is a prophetic passage in and of itself, about ten virgins. Remember the ten virgins with their, with their oil in their lamps? And it tells us that half, which is how many? Five, were awake, and the other half were asleep. Those ten virgins represent the complete destruction uh, of the church today. Uh, there are only two kinds of churches. There are churches that are alive and vibrant and exciting, and there are churches that are dead and just sound asleep. And, and so you see the meaning there uh, of the number five and the number ten, <clears throat> which is the number of fullness or completeness. The next number is the number six. The number six in the Bible is the number, does anybody know this one? Surely you know this one. It's the number of man. It's the number of man. Man was created in the creation on what day? The sixth day. And he was to work six days 
and to rest on the seventh. It's interesting to note that Goliath, the giant who represents the best this world has to offer, do you remember the description that it gives of how tall he was? He was six cubits tall. He wore six pieces of armor. The Bible also tells us that a giant of his race uh, also had six fingers and six toes. Jesus was crucified on what day? The sixth day of the week because he was dying as a man for man. And so this explains to us the most famous verse in the, in the book of Revelation, Revelation 13 and verse 18 that says this, this calls for wisdom. Let the one who has understanding calculate, there's a mathematical term, calculate the number of the beast for it is the number of a man. And his number is 666. Now, we've talked about this before in learning to interpret the Bible. When the Bible repeats something, it's important for you to pay attention for that. When that number 6 is repeated there, it's not just doubled, it's tripled. And, and because it's the number of man, it's a false dichotomy that's, that's positioned in opposition to the triune God. And so we can see how God's numbers here are beginning to come together. Uh, here are three sixes. Three is, the number, there, three is the number of the Trinity. Six is the number of humanity. Three is the number of God. Six is the number of man. Here's a man who's pretending to be God. And so that's, that's helpful for us to understand this number. Seven is the number of perfection that we're going to see next. Six is the number of man, which is imperfection. So three sixes represents perfect imperfection. Imperfection to the ninth degree, if you would, which is exactly what we are. We are perfectly imperfect. And so you see the imperfection of man in the number six. The number seven is one of the greatest numbers throughout all of the Bible. There's not a more important number in the Bible, nor in the book of Revelation, than the number seven. It's the keynote number, if you will. It's the number of perfection. How do we get that? Well, seven is three plus four. What did we say? Three is the number of God. It's the divine number. Four is the world number. And so seven is the number where God and the world get together. It's earth crowned with heaven. It's the union of heaven and earth. And so we know that God rested on what day? The seventh day. One week is made up of how many days? Seven days. There are seven notes in a musical scale. The eighth note is simply a repetition of the first one, uh, the beginning of a higher octave. Uh, the Hebrew word, and we'll talk about that more when we get to the number eight. The Hebrew word for seven comes from a root meaning to be full or satisfied. Jesus, when he spoke from the cross, there are seven sayings of Jesus from the cross. You think about Enoch back in the Old Testament who was translated, who didn't uh, die, but was translated alive into heaven. He was the seventh man from Adam. The day of atonement in Israel was in the seventh month. Naaman, the leper, remember that in the Old Testament where he had to go dip in the River Jordan? How many times was he told to dip in the River Jordan? Seven times. And so, to be clean, the opening statement of the Bible says, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. If you go to the Hebrew, the Hebrew is exactly seven words at the opening of the Bible. And so now you can begin to understand a place like Revelation 1 and verse 4 where John refers to the seven spirits. He says, John, to the seven churches that are in Asia. Uh, and so that's what our, our, uh, English, our ESV version says here. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne. There's only one Holy Spirit, but the number seven refers to perfection. The Holy Spirit is the perfect Holy Spirit, without spot, without blemish. And so we read in Revelation 1-4, there are two that we said, John is writing to the seven churches. Why seven? These seven churches represent all the churches throughout all the ages. 
And so that's why the seven. These letters that he's writing here in the beginning of the book of Revelation, we are going to find are just as relevant for the church today as they were for the first century church 2,000 years ago. In Revelation chapter 5 and verse 6, Jesus, the Lamb of God, is described as having this. Notice verse 6. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a Lamb, capital L, that's Jesus, standing as though it had been slain. He was slain on the cross with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the spirits of God, the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Now, Jesus doesn't literally have seven horns and he doesn't literally have seven eyes nor are there seven holy spirits but rather what we're told here is that jesus has complete omnipotence he is completely all-powerful because i remember that's what the horn means there represents his power he has complete omniscience all-knowing all-seeing the seven eyes he sees everything. He, he knows everything. And then the complete omnipresence of, of Jesus, the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He's present everywhere at the same time. And so over and over we see the historical use of the number seven in the scripture. You go back to the book of Joshua. In the book of Joshua in chapter 6 and verse 15 and verse 16, here's what we're told. On the seventh day... They rose, this is when they're at Jericho, early at the dawn of day and marched around the city in the same manner. How many times? Seven times. It was only on that day that they marched around the city seven times. And at the seventh time, when the priests had blown the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. Joshua marched around the city of Jericho seven days. On the seventh day, he marched around the city seven times and they the walls came tumbling down when they gave that mighty shout. You go back to the book of Leviticus, and sometimes we think, I don't want to read through Leviticus. That's so tedious and so many laws and, and, and things in there. But Leviticus chapter 23, God gave Israel seven feasts that they were to observe. That's important. Jesus in Matthew 13 told seven parables of the kingdom of God. In the book of Acts, you remember when those guys were selected to be the first deacons of the church? How many were selected? Seven. We read here in Revelation 1 verse 20 of the seven lampstands. This is the Jewish menorah. You ever seen the Jewish menorah? It's their candlestick thing. It has three on one side, three on the other, and one in the middle. <clears throat> it's that seven-pronged lampstand. And so uh, you think of... <coughs> <coughs> the, the number here, seven, three plus three equals six. That's the number of man. The one in the middle represents God. God plus man becomes the light of the world. The King James Version uses the word candles, but the better word is lampstand. And what's the difference? Because candles burn by wax, but a lamp burns by oil. And oil in the Bible is a symbol of what? The Holy Spirit. And so we're to shine like lights in this world by the oil and the power of the Holy Spirit. The book of Revelation is the perfect book of prophecy. As we said earlier, it can be divided up into seven divisions of seven subdivisions. And you may think that's pure coincidence, but the number seven appears 49 times in the book of Revelation. What is 49? It's the multiple of seven. Seven times seven is 49. But now, just like there are multiples of 5 and 10 in the scripture, there are also multiples of 7. Jesus, when he sent out those disciples two by two, how many did he send out? 70. In Daniel, <clears throat> Daniel chapter 9 of his prophecy gives us a picture of the history of the world from his time all the way down to the end of time. And he does this, if you remember Revelation or in Daniel, how many weeks does he do it in? 70 weeks. Of Daniel. We're told that each week is a week of years. And so there are 77s of years, 490 years. Uh, on one occasion, and that's going to come important when we get further into Revelation also. On one occasion, Simon Peter <coughs> came to Jesus, you remember, in Matthew chapter 18 and verse 21 and 22. Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times... You know what Peter was thinking? Hey, I got the perfect number. 
the perfect number, seven. And then the Lord says to him, Jesus says to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Peter knew his biblical numbers. He knew that seven was the number of perfection. But Jesus said, no, but rather 70 times seven. <clears throat> That's complete and total forgiveness. Seven is the number of perfection. Ten is the number of completeness. So when you multiply the two, our forgiveness of others should be perfectly complete and completely perfect. And did you know that Psalm 90 verse 10 tells us that a normal lifespan is how many years? 70 years. Some of you are pushing the door. <laughs> I'm getting there closer myself. Some of you are beyond that, and the Lord's blessed you with more, and that's great. Just like the number seven is significant, seven divided in half is also significant. So the number seven cut in half spells danger and disaster and despair and distress. You think back to Elijah. Remember when Elijah prayed earnestly that it might not rain and it didn't rain on the earth for how long? Three and a half years, half of seven. Uh, that's James 5 verse 17. We're going to find out as we get into the book of Revelation that the Antichrist is going to make a seven-year covenant with the nation of Israel. But in the middle of that seven years, he's going to break that covenant. And the great tribulation will become the greater tribulation when the heat is turned up and the fire stoked and, and, and the latter part of that three and a half year period will be a tribulation unlike what this world has ever seen. Daniel tells us about it in Daniel chapter 9 and verse 27. And he says, and he shall make a strong covenant with many for one week. That word week is literally the word seven, a week of seven years. For, and for half of the week... He shall put an end, so half of the week is three and a half, three and a half years. He will put an end to sacrifice and offering, and on the wing of abomination shall come one who makes desolate until the decreed end is poured out on the desolator. And so in the middle of that seven-year period, the Antichrist is going to turn upon the Jewish people. He's going to disallow the worshiping of God from for them coming to the temple He's going to make the throne uh, that is reserved for the Most High. Uh, is going to, he's going to make that his throne, uh, and he's going to blaspheme the name of God. And that's fulfilled over in Revelation 13 and verse 5 and verse 6, where the beast was given a mouth uttering haughty and blasphemous words, and it was allowed to exercise authority for 42 months. It opened its mouth to utter blasphemies against God, blaspheming his name and his dwelling, that is, those who dwell in heaven. So both the number seven and its division is extremely important in this book. There's the number eight. And the number eight, we said, is the number of new things. It's the number of new beginnings. It's symbolically used for the new birth. Uh, we mentioned that about the musical scale has seven notes, and the eighth note is the same note of the first lifted to a higher octave to begin a new scale. In the Old Testament, circumcision took place on what day? The eighth day after birth because circumcision was a sign and the Old Testament symbolism of salvation. Paul tells us uh, in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 11, In him also you were circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. So circumcision symbolizes the new life that we have in Jesus. When God destroyed the world by a flood, we're told in 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 5, If he did not spare the ancient world but preserved Noah, a herald of righteousness or or as we'll see here, he says, with seven others or with one out of eight people when he brought uh, a flood upon the earth of the ungodly. So Noah being the eighth out of those seven, rep out of those eight, uh, represented a new beginning. In 1 Peter 3.20, we're told, because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through the water. Jesus was raised from the dead when? On Sunday, which was the eighth day. That's the day after the Sabbath, which is the seventh day of the week. The next day is the eighth day. And, and so 50 days later, on the same day of the week, uh, came Pentecost, which is the time when the Holy Spirit of God came. Uh, in Luke 9, 28, we're told that the transfiguration of Jesus, which symbolized the, his coming and power of his kingdom, took place on 
the eighth day. After Jesus was raised from the dead, we're told in John 20, 26, that he appeared to his disciples on the eighth day, Sunday, the eighth day, or the first day of the week, is the day of new beginnings. Uh, and then we're going to finish here with just number nine, as I know we're uh, close on our time here, and we'll catch number 12 uh, the next time. But the number nine is the number of judgment. It has similarities to the number six because where three plus three equals six, three times three equals nine. And so when Jesus was crucified, he was nailed to the cross at nine o'clock in the morning and he gave up his spirit about what hour? The ninth hour. In the Bible, there are nine recorded stonings, nine cases of leprosy, and nine instances of blindness. There's a ninefold fruit of the spirit. In Galatians chapter 5, uh, against which there is no law or judgment. Well, just to fa finalize here just a moment to, to sum up a few of those numbers, what does all that have to do with us personally? Here's quickly. Number one tells us there's only one God. There's only one God, and besides him, there is no other. Number two tells us that this God has spoken to us through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, which we're told in Hebrews 1, 1 and 2, long ago at many times and many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. Number three tells us that God has revealed himself in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Number four tells us that this entire world belongs to him. The kingdoms of this world will one day become the kingdoms uh, of our dear Lord. He owns it all, and one day every creature who's ever lived will know it. The number five tells us that what God starts, God finishes, God completes. And God is going to create a new world where his people can live forever, free from the clutches of sin and self and Satan. The number six tells us that without Jesus Christ, we are an imperfect sinner, and we need to be saved so that we might be made right with a perfect God. The number seven tells us that God is not only perfect, but he's also the God of perfect love. And that perfect love sent a perfect son to die for us that we might have a perfect salvation that indeed would take us to a perfect home in heaven. Number eight tells us that we can be born again and we can start over by being a new creature in Christ. And the last number we looked at is the number nine that tells us that unless you get right with God, you will surely face his judgment. What a powerful thing to begin to understand the numbers in the Bible, and especially as they relate to the book of Revelation. Well, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this word tonight. And yet, just a little bit more that we have to go over on these numbers to understand the book of Revelation. Father, I pray that you will make this word plain and clear to us. That as we have seen over and over through your scripture, numbers matter. We see over and over in our world around us, numbers matter. And so, Father, I pray that we would not just sweep aside the numbers as we're looking at them in the scripture here, but that we would go back and look at what do those numbers mean to help us to understand the correct interpretation of, of what is being spoken of and prophesied of in that particular passage. Help us, Lord to come to a closer walk with you. Help us to trust you more and more each and every day. And may your spirit and your presence lead us and guide us safely home to that perfect home that you've created for us. Thank you for this book of Revelation, and may it continue to be a blessing for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining with us there online. We look forward to seeing you Sunday morning. Uh, if you can, be here in person. Uh, we'll be at 9.15 for Sunday school, 10.30 uh, for church. Uh, and then also don't forget that Sunday night will be that special call business meeting uh, for our 6 o'clock service there uh, to discuss those three issues that we're going to be talking about. Uh, so be sure to be here for that if you can. Uh, if you're sick, we totally understand that. Stay home. We don't need you spreading things. So uh, please be sure to do that. But we will continue to keep you uh, in our prayers. Be sure to continue to share those prayer requests. And those that requested a book, we'll get back with you uh, this evening or first thing tomorrow uh, to get some information from you so we can send uh, that book to you. Thank you, and you have a blessed week.